Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 28th um, uh, Design Executive Town Hall. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design and the Design Exec Club. Joining me here is an incredible panel of diverse minds from digital marketing, architecture, retail design, brand and uh, brand positioning and innovation. So, so we're going to actually have a look at six months back, the new possible, and also 12 months forward for the new possible because in the pre-conversation between our panellists, we had somebody who said it doesn't feel like six months, it feels like it was, you know, it was a snap of the fingers. Another presenter said it feels like it's been an eternity, and I think that's 100% right. What we've lost are what are often referred to as the tent poles of life, those, you know, that we have our life that gets strung together like uh, like lights in a, in a tent, but the tent poles are the things that actually give us definition most of us won't have had the holiday break that we're expecting. Most of us won't have gone to the conference that we're expecting. There will be lots of those tentpole moments that are gone. For some, for some of us, it will have been a lot slower year. For others, it will have been a much faster year because we don't have some of those references there. The big thing that's in, that's in everyone's mind in conversation is about the new normal. Well, we, it was never normal to start off with. I, th I think that's the most important thing. And so as I go through and we talk with our, with the different panellists here, what I'm trying to find out is what do they think the new possible is because I contend there was never a normal in the first place. Um, first person I'm going to throw to, Adrian, you, you've um, uh, been focusing on how togetherness and also that safety and confidence is going to happen, particularly around um, travel and luxury um, uh, luxury uh, getaways and also business. Yeah, so um, I'm based in Hong Kong and we have had quite severe travel restrictions around us in the region um, and inbound travel restrictions that I think has hindered a lot of travel. And myself and the people I, I speak to, we've been talking about being together that, that, that we haven't been together. Um, I haven't seen my family in England since uh, last year. And I think we're feeling that now. We're feeling the lack of the human contact. Um, I know we can connect by video call immediately and that's been amazing as a respite. But I think the reality is we are human beings. We are social animals and we do want to see each other and, and, and physically con you know, touch each other and hug. And I think we're missing that. And, you know, we a lot of platforms talk about mental health and how that's you know the lack of that contact is affecting us but we will we will bounce back to be together again very quickly um, and that then loops on to safety and security and confidence for the traveler um, for us to travel governments around the world need to have a unified procedure or a standard that everybody can adopt and travel to. So whether it's testing before you get on a plane, testing when you get off a plane, it should be a blanket universal agreement that allows travel to travel to bounce back very quickly. I mean, we've got a, a vaccine in development, which is great, but we wanna travel, we wanna be together, we wanna be with our family, um, and we need that security and confidence in the travel industry to allow that travel economy to come back. I'm sure all the airlines are desperate to get us to travel, but it's the regulations of the governments that are stopping us from, you know, entering countries. Uh, look, for example, Australia, where you are, you can't even leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're just stuck, aren't you? <laughs> well, actually, so, so Australia is very interesting. Like we are in, you know, um, at the fortress of, of Australia and as people are in New Zealand, as people are in Iceland. So <clears throat> the fortress side is something which is uh, pretty common. But then even inside Australia, where, you know, Melbourne today, actually it, we've got our first day that we're allowed to actually travel and, and be free to do what, what we want to do, still within a certain range. And there's the, the confidence of how do people go back into retail shops when they haven't been mm -hmm. used to doing that. Am I setting myself up at risk? But then there's also the, uh, I went for a drive before this call and looked at the retail shops in the regional area where I am, and the, the main street of the town was full, but then you're going, well, the, I don't think it was as full as it would normally be. So people have this desire to go back, but there's also, have we got the confidence there? It is a very interesting moment to go see how that returns. I think as well, if, if organisations can demonstrate hygiene and demonstrate sanitisation and demonstrate that they're taking measures very visually and very obviously, I think that will also give consumer confidence a boost because we can't see the virus, but we need to see that places are sanitised and safe. 
And I think things like floor markings at checkout so that you, you keep a distance or check-ins and airports, you keep a distance, help keep sort of um, confidence alive that everybody's being responsible. That allows us then to sort of relax a little bit more and enjoy the experience and maybe, you know, spend some more of our hard-earned cash and keep the economies ticking over. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we were to go back to uh, the Great Depression, uh, we had the Roaring Thirties that came afterwards. We know that there's a lot of cash that's around both in corporates and in people's home lives. So we are going to see money being spent. It's actually where does it get spent and one of those possibilities there. So, so people who have been able to go and actually position that they've got a safe experience, that they've got something you can have confidence in, um, and that you're also able to get the togetherness that you could uh, yeah. be friends that you may have missed out on. I think they're going to do incredibly well, but that's actually partially a brand building and, and communication perception side. So I, what that's going to do for me is throw across to Richard Henderson because, Richard, your world is all about how do you actually reignite the imagination of people. And I think today I saw the team at Overlo celebrating, you know, 10 years that they've been in business. You've, uh, you've helped them with some of their branding uh, in there. How do you actually take what was a previous product and then communicate through that it's actually got these new values of that it's... Um, uh, you've got confidence, you've got safety, but there's also togetherness for people. Is that the sort of branding program that's there that people are going to look at? How do you get the customer's imagination to be stimulated? Well, Mark, you're talking sort of, in a way, a tactical things, products, et cetera. I think the bigger picture is really where people's mindsets are at. And I like what uh, Stephen was mentioning, also Adrian. I think it really comes back to that we've had a refocus on humanity. I think we really know who we are. We're getting to know each other as we are as individuals, but also how important, as someone else mentioned, is connect connectivity. I think connectivity and what you mentioned in products and things now, the big the big question is what is what is not, not not what is keeping the CEO awake at night, but what is keeping the customer awake at night? And how can a CEO and organisation and product development, be it interiors, be it a travel offer or whatever, how can they uh, perhaps re refocus on that? I think the other thing too about brands is that there's a great deal of uncertainty you know, we've all been through this process of loneliness and disconnection. At the same time, we've had better connectivity because we've been able to use the Zoom and things like that. One of the other aspects I think that I'd love to encourage, and we're a creative team here, I'd love to encourage what I'd call being, being courageous and being brave and thinking about what, what could be given a situation where I believe right at the moment we've got permission to have a gear change. I think everyone's entitled to perhaps change careers, change families, change where they live, uh, because of this re reconfiguration. And I think that's a great time for new ideas to be expressed. And it's up to creative people who are involved with talking with their clients and um, helping to give clients confidence about pushing out into, into new directions. And I mentioned before that I've just seen a new uh, campaign for Melbourne uh, about coming back to Melbourne, but all they're doing is talking about the past. What, what, where is the potential for the new Melbourne? Now, maybe we have to talk about the past before we can go to now and into future, but it does surprise me that we're going into a comfort zone as opposed to perhaps the opportunity to think about something new. At the same time, we still have to have that humanity. We still need to connect. And I think, I think at the end of the day, when we look back at this, the big word is going to be humanity, big love, and a few of those things which are generous and feeling about people and connectivity and what it means to be human. Yep, and look, I think I think they're very key points there, um, uh, Stephen. Like, I want to go across to you because you you said to me about in the pre-conversation about the idea that you, you normally with your role across China and uh, with Hyatt that you've got to go and actually travel a hell of a lot. And you've been grounded since uh, basically the beginning of the year, a little bit like I have. But what that's done is it's allowed you to actually work out new ways to work and new ways to get things done, which is, and I think patience was one of the terms that you came up with. That's that's one of those senses of, of humanity, isn't it, that we need to be first, we need to be patient with each other before we can start to create great experiences for our future customers. Yeah. Um, it, it actually has been a very interesting year for me because I'm grounded it gave me a lot of opportunities to work. Uh, so I've picked up what I need to do with the with some of the, the people that I need to work with and look at things differently. 
and be able to actually pick up some of the lack of a better word, like mistakes or things that fell through the gap in the last couple of years. And now we can sort of look back at that and refocus it and sort of fix it and do it better. And then it was very helpful for me to, myself personally, to sort of refocus myself. Um, it, in fact, at the beginning, I really do miss the traveling part, not because of the traveling, it's I actually miss I actually miss the uh, the quiet moment. I guess I realize I'm an introvert because I, I miss that quiet moment when I leave the office, get into a car, head to the airport, get on a plane, get to my hotel. I may probably say about 10 words, you know, in that process of like four or five hours, you know, even if even in a short trip, short trip. Um, but nowadays, this year, since February, um, on the call and talking basically starts from 8.30 in the morning until 8 p.m. It's just nonstop talking and nonstop with the yearbooks in my, in my, in my year. I'll close my office uh, door and then when in between the call, I'll run now, take a deep breath, get some water, use the bathroom. So, so my whole life is different. And then it almost makes me like during my work hour, I have to think like nonstop processing because realizing I didn't have the downtime I had when I was traveling. Um, in some way, I don't know whether this is a good thing or, or bad thing or what it is, but it's just so interesting to have the opportunity to being forced, almost like being forced to like step back and look at, you know, do it differently. Yeah, uh, so, so I found that quite interesting. I don't have a conclusion for that, but I just find it quite interesting to have having the opportunity to force yourself, force myself to do things differently and think differently. And I don't know what it will be like in six months. So we all just go back to the old pattern and old methods of doing, but I do hope that what I've learned in this year would be something that will still stick with me in the future. Um, yeah. And I, and I think the, I'm, I reflect on how chemical structures change so much. If you take one little element out, it actually becomes something very different. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's what we've done with our behaviors is that we've pulled out some aspects of our behaviors and, and that's dramatically changed the way that we'll conduct ourselves in an ongoing sense. Right. Because it, it takes a lot of energy to put that element back in. Mm -hmm. Yet, maybe we don't need to do that. Maybe there was some housekeeping that we've gone right. on because, as Richard had mentioned, that change is now, change is now acceptable. And right. in that sense, there we've been able to change some of those behaviours. Yeah. Um, uh, I do want to go across to you, Betsy, because and thank you for joining us. So, our viewers, Betsy had emailed me just before she got into the call. She had one of those unscheduled automatic. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is I think is the modern equivalent of the at-home IT department. You know, things oh, happen God. to you rather than overnight when you're in office. I'm glad you're here. But but for Restoration Hardware, you know, Restoration Hardware is a very interesting company. You've got such acceleration in the market. You're growing at an incredible rate. But then to see what's happened now, it's either that you accelerate up as we've seen a lot of fast-growing companies, or you accelerate down into what might be better referred to as a death spiral. Now, I don't think you're in a death spiral, so tell, tell us about, about how you've been able to go and actually manage that change because you're, you're almost like living in dog years. You're probably doing multiple years growth compared to other companies. How have you found the new normal because your clients' needs have changed a lot? All right. Well, and it's, as you know, our company is two phases. So there's a particularly large aspect of the business, which is all B2C. That is, and I'm almost embarrassed to say that is up 450%. Hang on, can you repeat 450%? 450%. And for those of you that know the company, um, the stock has gone through the roof. And so how has that happened? It's all of us sitting at home saying, I cannot stand that so for another day. And, you know, we, we didn't anticipate that the pandemic was going to have that big an effect on the, the retail portion of our business. 
but each one of our galleries are open, over 85 of them in the US. Um, and, and yet the marketing that's been done has been very different. As um, people are saying now, the humanity is very different. So I think the, the, um, in the ways that we are interacting with people at the gallery has changed quite a bit. So that aspect of the business is, um, is as I say, through the roof. So it has taught us to do things differently. Um, the side of the business that I'm on and that I head for Asia Pacific um, is a very different piece of the business. So the hospitality predominantly um, is in the toilet with the exception of China. Certainly Australia, where you are, Mark, a lot of projects have gone on hold, which that we were counting on. Um, we've had to redesign the strategy for APAC, and that is away from hospitality to a certain extent, a lot of F&B, but we're, we're spending a lot of time in the multi-res, convincing people to be able to sell beautiful turnkey apartments. Um, so that has been very interesting for us. And also we are understanding better our sweet spot within the business. Um, what is, I think, interesting for how that changes, how we work with clients and also what we do in the future, I think everyone is, is quite tired of only having Zoom meetings. As, as Stephen said, we're spending all day on the computer. And for me personally, it was um, getting on a plane was about the journey. It wasn't about necessarily reflecting inwardly, but it was about having that time to focus on what I was going to do with clients when I was there, how I was going to prepare for them, what I was going to expose them to, what I was going to share with them. You don't have that time anymore unless you're compartmentalizing your day differently you are either sitting in front of a computer for 12 to 14 hours a day. You've got very little downtime where you can reflect on what you've just learned and how to apply it to new, new ways of doing business. But I think for the, for the main part, we're going to be looking at having to get creative to keep people engaged for the next you know, 12 to 16 months. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens there. And I think it's very interesting about um, working out what parts of the market are growing and which ones are actually probably in a hiatus or on a, on a bit of a pause there. And that's one of those important things about having a strategy which actually goes across multiple market segments so that you can actually accelerate and pause some of them as you need there. Um, Stefan, I want to go across to you um, and talk about the... Um, the Hong Kong and people's understanding of the outdoor spaces that they're involved in because, um, you know, we often think that architects are mainly involved with internal built spaces, but you've been making some observations, particularly around the urban aspects and urban policy in Hong Kong, but also seeing that a lot of people are getting outdoors and actually spending more time there. I think as, as Stephen Luck, he, he was mentioning he's stuck in a, in a closed-up office and goes for a gasp of air. You know, what's happening with people that you're seeing and getting out in, and having different behaviours in Hong Kong? Yeah, I think um, just maybe going quickly back to Stephen and to Betsy, I think we, we obviously have international business as well and... Um, and uh, China is a big market for us. And we also, uh, I've been traveling a lot and uh, life in the last uh, uh, year basically was focused predominantly on Hong Kong. And uh, but my, my main issue with not being able to go overseas is that I think that uh, the interface with the client and, and reading between the lines and having meetings where you can see how they uh, how they react to to things we we we, we present uh, that is uh, definitely uh, missing and is is problematic because I think for us to develop projects um, we we kind of need that um, that uh, sixth sense in a way <laughs> to understand what what uh, what is really needed and what people really want and I think that's hard to do when you only do it through um, through Zoom or through other um, computer uh, interchange. So I think that's missing. And uh, it affected our business somewhat. We still have business overseas, but um, but we haven't really had um, quite as many new opportunities as we maybe would have liked. Um, 
But Hong Kong, on the other side, uh, has been uh, doing uh, very well for us. Um, and it's partially because we're doing infrastructure projects. Um, and infrastructure, I mean, is public spending, I guess, uh, is always kind of doing well when the economy is 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 not doing so well. And uh, but it's also partially, you know, I mentioned culture building before, which was which was nice for us to get involved with. But I'm also I got particularly interested in in sort of um, um, resilience of cities somehow. And um, and I looked at London. We we have offices in London, and London's been doing pretty badly, really. Uh, and people have been not in the office for many months. And uh, I've looked at, uh, at at other parts of the world, Australia, Melbourne, similar thing. Um, and Hong Kong was quite resilient. And I was trying to understand why that is. Um, because actually perception is dense cities are bad for COVID and you have high risk of infection. And, uh, and, and then I realized that, um, I mean, obviously probably the most important overriding aspect in Southeast Asia generally, which has been doing quite well and in China, is that maybe you could argue they are more, um, uh, for the better word of it, obedient. <laughs> so they, they, they recognize the, the risk, particularly Hong Kong has been battled with SARS. I was here when we had SARS. And there's a mindset there which says, this is something serious. We gotta be, we gotta be astute. And, and that means the mask now, for example, I, when I leave my home, we, we hardly closed the office. We were actually in the office uh, throughout uh, literally the whole uh, COVID period, um, which I think is really important for us because it's about meeting, as we say, and interchanging and, and developing ideas together. So it would be very difficult from, our, from my point of view for our business to do this from independently from home. We had short periods where we were doing this, but I think the dynamic was somehow gone. So I think the meeting is, is, is still critical for business. And I also think there are functions in an office which you can't easily provide at home. Like we do model making, and you, for example, right? And we, 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 there's a number of support functions which I think most businesses have in one way or another, which will require people to go to the office. So I still think the office will play an important role in the future. But going back to this resilient issue, um, other than this kind of discipline, um, and, and now I, what I was going to say is, I mean, you come, when you come, when you go, when you leave home, you feel something is missing because you haven't put your mask on yet. It's sort of become second nature, right? It's it's kind of becomes a really natural. You have it in your pocket. It's there when you need it. it that I think is something which kind of our 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 behavioral pattern is quite adaptable. <laughs> I think we can we can adjust to these things. You know, they 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 just. Um, we learn quite quickly as human species to deal with certain aspects in life, right? Uh, so I think that happened somehow. And, and you know, like, for example, public transport, the MTR was a bit empty for some time, maybe half occupied. Now it's pretty full again. And in Hong Kong, they determined that there wasn't a big risk to get infected in the MTR. And why is that? Because people don't speak that much in the MTR normally. <laughs> they... They, they kind of, yes, might be relatively crowded, but most of the time people kind of by themselves. Um, so there, there isn't really much, his, much, much uh, risk there. Beaches, for some bizarre reason, in Hong Kong were and are until now closed. Because that's, I guess, where people gather and where they um, have outdoor uh, kind of uh, activities, normally without masks. Uh, so beaches were seen to be, and also kind of bars, and, and, and clubs and that there were seen to be, even gyms, there were seen to be quite a big high-risk high uh, element. And they were, until very recently, uh, they, were, they were all closed. Um, restaurants uh, kept open most of the time, even though you could only have two people at the table, now you can have four. I think they're just relaxing it further. But life in general, I feel, was still relatively natural. We didn't have to stay at home. We could go shopping when we wanted to. We could go to restaurants and that, um, uh, even though there was a level of consciousness, but in reality, it was still quite uh, a normal life, actually. But what has changed is people go to the countryside a lot on the weekends. They go to the parks. They, they, they're trying to get out of the urban areas. And we have so much countryside. It's so easily accessible. That, I think, is a big part of the sort of resilient uh, city concept that people have that breakout space. And I think when they don't have that so much, then they are more maybe more focusing on places where 
actually people uh, are closer together and therefore that may be a little bit uh, less uh, good for uh, resilience. But there are other factors about offices or, 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 or Hong Kong, uh, which, which are quite, uh, quite effective. In a lot of lobbies now, they put uh, temperature measures up, right? So you, you, when you get into your building, you, uh, you get scanned. And that means you quite easily identify whether there is someone maybe in your block which, 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 which has COVID and you need to kind of increase the level of caution a bit. So mm -hmm. the monitoring in a dense city is actually, I think, a little bit easier than it maybe is in a very scattered city. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. On the on the last um, Asian market town hall that we did, we had uh, Andrew Mead from the Hong Kong MTR on, and he was saying that um, little things like on their escalators that they used to have sanitising units that were inside the cabinetry, and now what they've done is they've ex exposed that working because it used to be that it was bad to say that you were sanitising. Now it's actually good to say you're sanitising, and so that's an interesting, and that goes back to Adrian's bit about the confidence and safety building in there. And he also mentioned that the the amount of uh, patronage that they've got, if you take out the um, changes that come in because of Disneyland and the changes that come in through the airport not having the same amount of use, the network is basically where it was pre-pandemic. And that, that's, that's very interesting. So the circulation is happening. And I know, um, uh, Stefan, with your work that you do, particularly around infrastructure and transport, large volumes of people moving, you know, you're 100% right. There's a different behaviour there than there are in social environments that, that are in there. Um, Afania, I want to go across to you because um, Stefan brought up a very important thing, which was about the amount of business and the fact that uh, because it's solution selling, you know, you've got the Stephen Covey, you're meant to go to listen, you're meant to propose a response to show that you've listened, that then gets modified and then you come back with another response. Your world's very different because in the idea of digital marketing, you're trying to hit somebody between the eyes with an offer that meets their current need and it's kind of click now, job's done, commerce has happened. It, it, it's a very different perspective, isn't it, compared to people who are selling professional services that, that have that multiple iteration cycle? Well, um, I actually disagree on that statement because oh, okay. it's actually so it's about people. It's about people connecting to people. Uh, well, we are a multilingual digital agency. So, so to our clients, it's solution selling, right? So we still talk to our client. We're still missing that physical contact that we we. We don't fly eight hours anymore to go to uh, go to Philippines to talk to our clients. We are talking on Zoom, which is the same as everyone. But I think what this um, past six months has taught us is for everyone that in in my circle, including staff or client or influencers that are related in the industry, is getting more understanding about other cultures. And so what would, I would say is being isolated, it has made us more connected. Why? Because um, in pre-COVID, if you want to experience another culture, you get on a plane, you land on another country, and then you experience a different culture. You get the culture shock and all the things that come with it. You're overwhelmed with it. But now, the past six months, nobody can go anywhere. And we're spending a lot of time actually talking on Zoom meetings like this. And people are starting to understand that any, anything happens in one country actually affects another country. They're starting to realize and, and, and feel that effect. For example, in the beginning of the year when China was shut down and a lot of uh, manufacturing or bigger brands like automobile brands, they are worried about the supply chain because all the Chinese factory was was closed. Um, and then they realized they, they connected with each other way more. Um, and, and then later this year, we got this drama from US that um, WeChat and TikTok is getting banned. And I'm not going to go into that drama, but... I, I see a lot of positive outcome from there. It's because all of this event actually makes people understand more about another culture. Now, when clients come to us, they say, we want to do TikTok ad. They're not coming to say, what is TikTok? So it's actually getting us to understand each other way better. And, um, and, and I think that's, that will continue to stay for the, for the future. 
Now, uh, so you brought up TikTok, and which we, you're right, we all know about it. But I've got a feeling if we're going to talk about TikTok, we all need to do some type of synchronous movement so that we can go to a TikTok moment in the end, or is or is there other parts of that digital marketing on TikTok? <laughs> um, so that is the B2C. So it's how do you communicate to the consumer and on TikTok because the, the demography is slightly younger, but even though there's a lot of 30s and 40s are on there as well. I I I invite you to go and try that. It's very fun. Um, so it's just a different way of communicating. Um, not necessarily it's about dancing. Um, it, it's it's about it has a lot of creativity in there and um, a lot of creator. They call the the influencers on TikTok creators. They um, they have a lot of very creative idea on how to express what they try to express. So I think it almost get into the realm of a contemporary art. So, so I want to throw across to Bob Neville, the, the captain lockdown in in uh, New Zealand. I think next week you managed to get back to uh, get back to Hong Kong and then Shanghai. Is that right? Hopefully, yeah. It's it's all on schedule, but yeah, it's, uh, let's see what happens. Okay, so I want to go. Uh, I'm going to help the viewers here get some perspective. So Bob was um, head of uh, global design at New Balance, so a retail design at New Balance. Then somewhere about uh, the, towards the end of last year, there was a change there, and uh, and he's got his uh, a new business, which is the Design Test Studio, Design yeah. Test Lab. Help me yeah, out. Yeah. Design Test yeah. Center. Oh, Center. Oh, they say I've got it wrong. Um, so the Design Test Center, and you're helping to go push out assets and prepared materials for people who who had these branding needs. Mm. How do you do that from New Zealand, or is it what we've contained in the rest of this call, where you've got the brand proposition, you've got the connection to people, you've got a thousand Zoom calls, and you're doing business without having to be in physical meetings? So I think, I think it's um, again, although although yeah, the people on this this town hall, you know, we've met over the months and other other sort of social media. I mean, I'm. I am in this garage a lot, but I do get out and about. So we're quite lucky in New Zealand with the, the level of flexibility. I mean, we we had a, a function at our house here with sixty people last night, which was a which was a lot of fun and quite a quite a, a nice celebration. But um, yeah, so for for me with with the yeah stepping into twenty twenty, um, it's not just about myself. But you know, we've got a team in Hong Kong, we've got a team in Shanghai. So what we've been able to do is, whilst we're all working you know, remotely, or depends on the conditions in the country, um, you know, we're working as one team, and then depending on what the client needs, we can adapt and reflect on on the sort of work that we're doing and how we're doing things. But um, physical retail, I mean, again, it's interesting hearing. You know, I was speaking with a, a Canadian client this morning, and they were talking about. Yeah, the number of retailers in this one area that have gone out of business. Whereas at the same time, you know, I've got a couple of clients where there's probably a need to roll out about two and a half to three thousand physical. I won't call them stores because that that to me now sounds quite sort of out of date. But let's say two two and a half to three thousand brand spaces. Um, yeah, over the over the coming months and and into 2021. So. I think it, it depends on the segment. You know, we, we heard from Betsy about you know restoration hardware. Um, so I think it's it's about dealing with um, issues, opportunities as they arise, depending on what the brand and the business needs, and and having that ability to to flex and adapt, and not just be in one single mindset of this is what we do, this is how we always do it. It's it's you've, you've got to be. Yeah, if, if this year hasn't taught us anything, it's one, human beings love being with human beings. Human beings love experience. And, you know, you, you can't just sit in your one bucket. You know, we always talked about omni-channel approaches. You know, if this hasn't been a great learning year for that and how you can't just, you know, opera, operate in silos, I, you know, I don't know what will. So I think there's going to be a lot of good learnings coming out of this year. Hopefully some of those learnings translate into ongoing behavior but um you know unfortunately sometimes you know us as human beings have a you know revert to type so hopefully it's you know we do learn and we do move on and and yeah the world's a better place for it 
Yeah, no, I can understand that. Dylan, I want to go across to you because if I remember right, there are a couple of projects that you got awarded and that you've been working on since about uh, December or February in that period there. And, and your comment was in the pre-conversation that things have gone so fast. But you've been working on those projects now for 10 or more months. Have you had a physical meeting with any of those clients? No. No. So, 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 and that, like, if you think of what that used to be, that you would have had to have been on multiple plane trips. And I know there's also a, a project that, is, that was coming towards a finish here in Melbourne that mm-hmm. you showed me from a, 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 some video when you were in the boardroom there. Yeah. Have they tenanted the building? Like the, the office project is completed, all of that workflow planning mm-hmm. that they put in, have they tenanted or are they still holding back? No. There's, um, it's been it's been it's been a pretty crazy year, 2020. Um, I had a massive tree fall on my house. My dad died. Um, I have had to carry a studio of, thankfully, never letting anybody go. Um, we've been really lucky to be working with with um, the projects that we secured prior, and I do believe that the cup of rapport is. Is, is definitely getting getting lower. I'm looking forward to making those trips and having that downtime Betsy and Stephen spoke about and indeed seeing Stephen um, talk about one of those projects and make sure that we're all in the same in the same space. Um, I think that what this year has done for me is it's clarified that aspect that a number of people have touched on about about connection. It's made it incredibly apparent to me that we are actually able to work in our industry in a very distributed way, which has a lot of upside. It's very egalitarian. I've got a lot of younger team members who've never, ever been into a client presentation able now to be party to those. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting learning going on. There's a, there's, there's, I think when everyone starts to come back into the studio, there'll be a giant great Yahoo moment um, I sincerely hope, though, that some of that connection that we spoke about doesn't get lost in the immediacy or the the pleasantness or the 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 rut of the last hundred years is deep, my friend. And whilst everyone's talking about everything changing, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of momentum and a lot of inertia in the industry to just get back to what it was. Um, to Stefan's point, you know. Um, Yes, humans can change, but uh, there's a vast majority of, well, not a majority, thank Christ, there is a vast quadrant of the population who refuse to wear masks because they believe it's a conspiracy from some mad piece of I don't know what. Um, I think that the joy we get from meeting people, that I'm, I'm a hugger. I love giving people hugs. And if ever and whenever I meet you all, for a drink one day, look out. Except you, Bob, you probably will hug a bit stronger than me. Um, a hug off, there you are. I think I think that joy, that personal connection, is something that we need to we need to maintain a treasuring of. Because if we just go back to the way it was and put twenty twenty out of our mind, erase it from the God, what wasn't that horrible? I think we lose an opportunity to learn some of the some of the things that were revealed to us in this time, some of the things that are important, some of the things that are not important, some of the things that are. Without, without COVID, without having a distributed office, there is no way I would have had the opportunity to spend my dad's last month with him because mm-hmm. I would never have thought that I could do that. But actually, I could. It was a bloody modem and a computer and I could be wherever I wanted to be and still talk to everybody exactly normally and yet be remote in a in a in a in a, in another space. And so, and so we, we get those those realization moments that there there is a possibility that we may not have considered. But I think also with that there's there's a high likelihood that a lot of people are going to come back with degrees of um, resilient cha- resilience challenges or underlying trauma that's in there. 
And on the weekend, I, I found myself that, that I had two, two episodes where I teared up. Mm. One, I was listening to a song and, it, and I just was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Wow, you must be, I thought I was in much better condition than I was. Mm. The other one was I finished doing something in my garden and I, was, I looked back on it and I, and I teared up again. I'm thinking that's a pretty good indication that your resilience is pretty low. And that roller coaster is, seems to have got a lot of us. And then when we all get pushed back into an office together, that's going to be very challenging because people are a little bit afraid are going to become very afraid very quickly. So, so I think uh, being able to listen and understand each other there is going to is going to be hugely important. Now, I I really want to go through and actually as we come into to wrap up here because you know we've been going for about forty minutes. I want to find out. In this idea of the new possible, has there been anything that's come up for any of you that you say, I want to make sure that we actually, you know, cap this out and that we close and we talk about it before before we start to go into that? It, you know, I think, Betsy, that you, you've talked about an amazing difference in the world that's come in for restoration hardware. One part of the business that is skyrocketed, which is, which is fantastic, uh, that's because we're all sitting at home. Um, but you've got another part of the business that's had huge dead ends and interruptions from plans that were well set, and now you've had to go and explore other things. Is that too demanding on the team, or have you had to start to put in alternate ways to actually go deal with the team to keep their resilience up? Mm -hmm. what's, been the, what's been your success there? In fact, it's been interesting because we we talk about what's happening within us, within our client base, but I think we sometimes forget about the mental health of our staff and keeping them not only motivated, but making sure they are in good shape. And so having those conversations with people internally about making sure if you need a mental health day, do it. We've got your back. I think is for us changed the way that we look at the business. Um, we've become a very close knit team, not only within Asia Pacific, but within restoration hardware, certainly within the international. We've taken the time to, um, to share ideas that have worked to share, to celebrate successes. I'm literally down to being on a, a call where some people are in their their morning clothing and breakfast, um, and other people are drinking champagne. But it's it's about getting together and even the small successes. You know, moving a project forward, closing a project, um, and it has been diff a difficult way of doing things. But we, I think, we've all come together beautifully, um, and then also reaching across the pond for us, not only for Europe, where we've got tremendous number of um, plans for galleries opening both first in England, then in Paris, then in London, um, and then moving across to North America where things in our contract business have been the most challenging. So it's, it's um, as I said, it, it's really thinking humanly again about how we can, um, we can really bolster each other, whether it's someone that reports to you, someone that has to influence a client um, to help you get your business across the line, or it's just in general um, people that you interact with. And in, in particularly, as you know, in Hong Kong, it's a very, um, very collaborative group. Even those that compete against each other um, share in the success when someone has done well and share in the hurt when someone is really struggling. So I love that about, about what we do here, not only in the industry, but in the country and in a wider sense. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Adrian, um, I want to just pick up with you because I think you've had a lot of change in the way that you've had to go do your presentations to uh, to your clients because so much of it would have been boards and textures and, and the weight of materials. How have you tackled yeah. that? It's been really interesting. At the beginning of COVID when we were working with some of our partners and clients in lockdown, we were having meetings and our clients would maybe not have the camera on, we couldn't see them, or they'd just be using their smartphone to view a presentation. We realized very quickly that we had to unpack how we do a presentation and repackage it 
almost in a way, in a filmic way, because we had to tell the story very visually versus somebody standing there going, this is what we're doing, and you're in a big meeting room and there's all the people around you. And that's been something we've learned from, because in a way, it's uh, added depth to how we uh, communicate our ideas. And we now go into much more detail about how we've got to where we've got to. We just don't start with the brief and end with the product. We really go, go in more depth and take the client on the journey because we're having to do it remotely and not in person. We can't stand around a big plan printed on a big piece of paper and point at something and say, this means because of this and it relates back to how we're coming into the space. We have to do it very, very cinematically and visually, which has been learning and also great because we've funnily enough had a look back at what we've achieved this year. And some of our best work has been our most recent work where we've really thought about how do we tell that story to somebody who's seeing it digitally for the first time and not seeing it cohesively in a meeting room. Normally we put all the boards up, the clients come and they can very quickly take in the presentation and you know your mind is very fast and you digest it. On the screen, as you're going click slide by slide by slide or it's a movie, it's got to tell so much of the story itself without you or the designer doing in, in interacting. So it's been a different format, but it's been quite it's quite been quite exciting for us to add a new string to our bow in our presentations. Mm. I just add on something like that what Adrian's talking about, which I'm very interested in what creativity can do to shift our minds. And I think what you're talking about is exactly my thinking is that the way you express that, the story, the picture, less words, uh, the time for people to, one of the great things about Zoom is that you can view all this in a privacy. You can actually uh, uh, you know, make your decisions. You can either decide to look away or be more engaged. And I think what you're talking about is a great insight is how creativity can be better expressed uh, yeah. with the story, respecting okay. each person's time and also allowing people to, the technology is great because people can engage at their own level in, in, yeah. in, in privacy because a lot of creative, creatives create this dynamic. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a distance between a creative person and what I would call like another, not a, not a non-creative person. Sometimes. Yes, the great people who are, are, not, are not touched by creativity, but the, there is that thing that creatives do set up a, a screen. They don't mean to, but they do. So by doing it with technology, that gets that gets pushed away. And what you were saying, Adrian, was great because the picture then becomes the engagement process, which I, which I like. And we're also working a lot with VR now. So when we're doing a guest room design, we'd normally do lots of visuals, but now we have a VR and we can spin the client around the space. We can hone in on it and we can do adjustments in real time. So technology has really helped us to get those stakeholder approvals across the line. Of course, Adrian, as we all know, you know that that's not the image is not necessarily the truth. So obviously, there's a there could be a little bit of gossamer on all that. I imagine as well. We would never do that. <laughs> I want to go across to Stephen here because you mentioned that you're basically you're living in a in a cubicle that's actually got a screen and a camera, and that that's kind of your world. And I know I've made that sound a little bit terrible there, but but. You're there eight hours a day and you've got the likes of Adrian and you've got Richard who are giving you these great presentations on screens. And how's that working from your capacity to be able to understand if the materials are what you need coming from the demand side of this equation? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, actually, so you've just given the answer there. There's time well, for everything, isn't it? I think, well... I have to say because we like we're doing it day in and day out, so we we look at things um, in as almost like you. Uh, I think what Adrian said is right. It's also um, it is very important that on each board on each slide, what what is the message you're trying to get across? Which is the image that is truly going to capture what you're trying to say? Um, nothing worse than someone showing a bunch of inspiration image that's got nothing, uh, especially like overly poetic design and got nothing to really to do with the final result or with the brief, you know, the the wind, the flower, the tea, the the clouds and all that, you know, 
like, please, like, just don't do it anymore. But what really interests us is, you know, sometimes it's even just, just one image that really captures the essence of what we're trying to achieve. I think that's the most important. We, we do this day in, day out. Sometimes we look at, we can look at it quite quickly. Um, I do have to say, looking on the phone is different from projecting it, going into meeting rooms, projecting it onto a big big screen. So depending on different uh, meetings, we uh, I do sort of moved around. I can look at a set of drawings on my phone and give a quick comments. I can look at it on my laptop, but I can also project it on the screen. It does give you a different uh, experience. So um, the, being able to tell a cohesive story, a story that is um, really capturing, and then be able to translate that into the space is very important. Um, so this almost like go beyond that whole understanding of the brand. Uh, each hotel, each hotel, whether regardless of the brands, it has its own little character, right? You, even though the same Park Hyatt, you want to evoke the same uh, Park Hyatt experience, but each individual one of them should still have a little bit of their own characters to represent the, the local, the storytelling, whether it's that, the architecture or the, the local culture, the, the, the time and space of history, you know, even. So um, I think like we can look at something very quickly and then you know, immediately tell you what works and what doesn't. Um, but it is very important, as Adrian said, it's like putting that story together as a film set and each, each shot should have something that you're trying to tell. Uh, it's not just some wind and birds and fish and tea and water. Um, yeah, and please don't do those. <laughs> no, no, I could, I, I could imagine you're probably at a certain point in where you want to turn your camera off and put a fork in your eye because you've seen the birds and the fish too many times and the water right. too much of the day. I, I, have a, I have a blunt butter knife uh, next to my table so I can slip my wrist <laughs> well, slowly. I do that. Look, I am going to go do a wrap-up here. If anyone's got anything that you want to add, put your hand up now, otherwise I'm going to come into a bit of a close here. Nope, you're all done. You're all, that's fantastic there. Um, it is always so fantastic to go get your time to go and actually have these conversations and have you share them. We do these weekly. We go have the Asian market, there's the Australian market, the European UK market and the US market. So please, next week there's going to be another one if you want to join us. To the panellists, thank you so much for your time. Um, it is amazing to hear the differences that are there. Some people actually saying time's flying, other people saying everything seems to be taking so long. It, you know, that's kind of the dimensions of 2020, isn't it? Let's hope 2021 we've mastered that a bit more. Everybody, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Mark. Thank, thank you, you Mark. Mark. Thank you. Mark. Oh.